0: And welcome to the Rethinking Leadership podcast series. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we're doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement of the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future of business. Find out what this week's leader has to say. This week, I'm talking to Amanda Ling, the MD of SFM Limited. Amanda talks about the challenge of transforming organisational culture when it's less tangible than transforming a business strategy. The way she runs her fascinating business shows the potential of focusing on people, profit and planet, and how we need to integrate both critical logical thinking with the emotional connection of the heart. Amanda truly embodies holistic leadership. Hi Amanda, thank you for joining me today. Jude, lovely to join you, delighted. Can you tell us who you are and what you do
1: please? Yeah sure. Um so I am the uh Amanda Ling, um uh, managing director at Specialty Fibers and Materials based in Coventry and the business uh, manufacture um wound care dressing. So for the advanced wound care dressing so we manufacture everything from from scratch um with um a number of uh plant-based products so these dressings are are critical um for individuals who suffer from you know ulcers and uh very acute chronic wound effectively so all that is actually made from coventry
0: wow well, yeah because we tend to think that manufacturing has left the west midlands so it's wonderful to hear to hear that uh, there's still some really important stuff going on yeah I mean that that's the
1: one thing I'm quite passionate and and we are I guess as a team very very passionate about which is to manufacture in the UK and um, in the Midlands and you're right actually there's definitely been this um, view I guess that manufacturing has left the UK and to some extent of course that that is absolutely true but there there still remains um, a lot of manufacturing that takes place not just in in our industry and and the amazing thing i think is that a lot of the businesses that manufacture in the uk manufacture really high quality um, products and the regulatory framework around that is also um, very strong so there's a, a real mature economy in the UK uh, for our manufacturing and I guess that's kind of where we have to position it because of course we're, we're competing against you know further afield uh, foreign-wide countries you know China um, just to name one and uh, and of course the products that come out of China tend to be a little bit uh, cheaper because obviously the fixed cost and variable cost for these industries are Um, and these countries are a lot lower than what we experience in the UK however uh, the quality of what we do and the safety and the regulatory framework around that um, is is very um, very high so from my point of view I really see manufacturing in the UK as being a a serious advantage on the global stage
0: yeah and it sounds like it's a really specialist product as well has have you have you found you've been busier during the um, pandemic, or or not so busy? How has it affected you? Yeah, so
1: in our industry, you tend to have a bit of a time lag in terms of the impact. It has had an impact, definitely, um, and the reasons for that are are multiple. So some of our um, customer, you're right, these are are very uh, niche and advanced sectors, are dressings are manufactured under um, ISO um, 13485 and they have to be cleared by the MHRA, they have to be cleared by the FDA. So whichever competent authority reviews effectively medical class three devices and class 2B. And so you would think that because this is the medical sector, obviously there is a continued need. People who suffer from these chronic Wounds which are you know very uh, serious uh, uncomfortable uh, wounds, which are often find um, sorry found with elderly patients that these things will still be required during a pandemic um, but but that 's not always the case because what happened with this particular crisis is that a lot of the um, a lot of uh, our customers um, have sales teams who will visit clinicians and hospitals and care homes in whichever country that is, not just in the UK. You know, you're talking the US, uh, Europe, and so on. And therefore, they haven't been able to to visit these clinicians and to promote the products and the benefit of their products, um, because obviously the, the whole clinical. Uh, structure was very focused on fighting COVID-19 yeah. so so you'd expect obviously a drop in sales because that activity is no longer taking place but it has a time lag effect this wasn't immediate so we're still seeing a little bit of an impact it's not as if our sales dropped um, over a cliff far from um, but we have definitely seen um, the order book uh, depleted certainly you know in, in the last quarter So I look forward to quarter four of this year where hopefully we'll see the activity pick up a little bit. So, you know, certainly compared to to other sectors, we, we shouldn't complain. Um, but I guess the impact that it's had on our business does show how serious this crisis is, because you'd expect the medical and pharma industry to probably be least affected by that sort of thing. But actually, there's definitely been an impact, and it's not just us. You know, our uh, peers in the industry and competitors have had, um, you know, um, a very um, tough time of it. Yeah.
0: And how how have you kept your team engaged during the, the lockdown period? So, um,
1: well, we're in a lucky position here um, at uh, SfM, where our teams are. Um, I guess I was going to say naturally engaged, but we do a lot for that behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, certainly, you know, what, one of the one of the um, big change that we've had, like everybody else uh, around the, the pandemic, is to try to adjust our ways of working and um and of course for for us as a manufacturing entity not every area of our business can for example remote work so uh we we very quickly had to engage with measures that we, that were designed to protect individuals who would work on site minimize the the risk of cross infection, making sure that people felt really safe. That's really important. We had a lot of very, very worried people mm-hmm. uh, because obviously um, individuals were you know, um, in other industries able to work from home and therefore felt probably a lot safer than others you have to remain on site. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did as well, certain departments in, in our company are uh, suited to work remotely. And therefore, uh, we sent um, probably, I would say, 40% to 50% of our staff colleagues um, to work from home particularly where they were able to, because let's face it, not everyone has a home that is fit for purpose either, where they feel they can be conducive to work. But at least we streamlined the numbers. So people at home felt felt safe, people on site felt safe, because we put an absolute plethora of measures in place designed to protect everyone. And we did that very, very early days. Uh, In the very early days, you know, as far back as February, we had already seen what was happening in Europe and so we literally just thought uh, well let's not wait for it to arrive in the UK we need to think about our strategy around this particular um, crisis and what we're going to do as as a business so we communicated very heavily with um, everyone around um, our you know each and every of our departments and teams um, so much so that actually we we had a case um, of COVID and in our workplace in the very very early days I think that these were some of the first that were experienced in Coventry and when we had one of them, um, but nobody else actually got, uh, got infected from from that one person, which, um, I guess is is a little bit of a success story for us internally as well. Um, but it's because we were prepared.
0: Yeah. It's a massive success, isn't it? And you know, what I'm hearing with that is that you're always thinking ahead and and looking ahead and, and preparing, are you somebody that is typically ahead of the curve? Yeah. So, well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I guess the the rest,
1: you know, is is seen through. Um, action speak louder than words. Generally speaking, in that field, and uh, I, I do like to strategically strategically think well ahead of of the curve. And, um, you know, th- this wasn't exactly a surprise. We could see what was happening in China, in Italy, in France. And therefore, absolutely, you- you've got to think, um, you know, well ahead of time. And it's not just, you know, now that we're, we're sort of coming out of that lockdown period. Uh, still, we have very stringent measures on the site. And that is because there is a chance that there will be a second wave. And I guess uh, COVID-19 is going to be with us for a long time. Mm -hmm. And therefore we have to slightly alter the way we are working, not just short term, but long term as well. And therefore whatever measures we have put in place have to be not just fit for the now, it, it has to be fit for, you know, the next two, three, four, five years and beyond potentially. Um so it wasn't just a case of uh, you know, investing in, for example, desk dividers that were uh, cheap and would do and last, you know, twelve months. It was just a case of thinking, no, okay, we need to separate our desk station, so we need to order new desk legs, uh, we need to create that space, we need to think about long term screen um dividers that will be conducive to collaborative work but at the same time they'll last (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you know it makes a lot of sense actually Mm -hmm. because you you do want your people to be safe um and and that's something I'm passionate about because whatever change we um you know go through in our business and we had a fair amount of that um, taking place in in SFM people are absolutely critical to making these um, changes happen so of course you're going to protect one of your most valuable assets
0: yeah and you you said um, that you've done a lot of work in in the past around engaging your team can you share with me some of the some of the things that you do to to keep your team engaged
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So we, you know, at at SFM, if I can take a a tiny step back around your your question. Mm -hmm. When I joined the business, my remit, other than actually leading the business in the most generic terms, if you wish, as the MD, uh, was to make sure that we uh, engaged with a culture shift on site to become a much more customer centric and problem solving organisation. But also to make sure that we were improving the communication between um, departments, and on the back of that, because of the industry that we work in in advanced twin care, we also had to make sure that our business was fit to transition um, through to the uh, MDR changes that is affecting the, the whole, you know, medical industry, and uh, and to top it all, our business has also. Um, been relocating its manufacturing site for the last couple of years. And so we're still in the midst of that taking place. So as you can imagine, we're business where there's quite a lot of very top heavy changes
0: mm. that
1: need to take place. And of course the elephant in the room COVID ended up yes. coming on top of that. So yeah. it's like five big things. And and as I was saying, the main tool that I have and I guess the only solution through the business um, is is people. Mm. So if, if I look a little bit at uh, the cultural change that needs to take place in our organization, and there has been, you know, certainly for for the last couple of years, we, we come from a, a very traditional manufacturing textile background. So back in the days, um, SFM came from Nakoto, a quite well-known textile manufacturer. And the type of leadership in that business was very, very different to what we experience today and the workforce that we have today expects very different thing from its leadership team. So um, we've obviously had to, and it's, you know, the thing about culture is that it's very different to any other change that will take place in the business because it's quite intangible. So, and then leaders, I'm sure you'll relate to that, you know, like to review data, analyze, dissect and formulate a strategy so when you come to culture you start from a very different base and and you need to have the emotional intelligence to understand uh the, the drivers i guess within your your organizational culture so if you do that you're then in a good position to start thinking about how to influence that culture towards what you you desire you know your vision i guess and also understanding the timeline that you've got to to play with so um, and it's such a common common theme actually that cultural change it's it's happening with us but it's happening with others and I guess you know the 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 ethos of what we're trying to do here and the reason why we're engaging our, our team so strongly around you know, the vision, what do we want to become? We want to become this real partner for our customer. We want to find novel solutions. We want problem solving. We want to support our customers, not just with products, but also with regulatory advice. So we really, really want to add value. And that mindset's not always been part of this particular business. Historically, it probably was much more supplier mindset, not so, I guess, you know, customer centric. And so what you do then to to engage your workforce I'm kind of looping back onto your question (laughs) yeah good good um so is the communication is absolutely key I know you and I prior to to the podcast were talking a little bit around communication and you've got to to make sure that your team understands so why are we implementing a change what are we bothering you know, putting in place the vision, the mission, the values and the objectives. Um, you know, why do you need a new website? Why do you need a product brochure? You need to keep communicating about it and you need to motivate people um, to make sure that you, you have early adopters and champions within your business. These are the cluster that will help you drive that vision forward and, um, and you know, I, I certainly as as a leader and I'm sure many out there will, you know, um engage with that thought, I don't believe in micromanagement. Mm-hmm. So I do believe in making sure that we empower our colleagues across the business in being able to make decisions. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not available. The door's always open. I'm happy to support and uh, provide, you know, that fresh pair of eyes on the particular challenge. But I don't believe in micromanagement. So with a mixture of communication within our business, it's certainly started with um, external uh, marketing material very simply talking about all the good things that we do as a business and the quality of our manufacturing and making sure that our people are really proud about uh, what we do and uh, and also a good degree of uh, internal marketing as well making sure that we're sharing the vision um, when we have new people starting in the business making sure that the teams understand who that person is and how they're fitting into the bigger picture, what what their focus is going to be on. Sharing, for example, um, I'm supposed to do it every week, but I I don't at the minute. (laughs) And uh, that's actually sharing a thought for the week, something that I have found inspiring or something that I've seen in the business, Mm -hmm. which um, I would like to share with the rest of the team and uh, yeah literally just making sure that we talk 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 so um, and use all the media that are available I guess if it's one thing that the pandemic has um, taught us is that there's so so many ways to be creative around communication Um, to give you an example Jude we we used to do you know face-to-face monthly um, updates about the business how did we do last month and we used to share that with all the you know, everyone in the business. So they'll come on site and we all meet in the one room, as you can imagine, oops, scrap all that. (laughs) Can't really do it anymore. And so instead what we did is that we started to go down the video route where every department provides a video update on you know how they've done last month what were the challenges the good news and we put that we really nicely wrap it up now into a really good little uh, session which is 25 minutes to 30 minutes long update with a little bit of humor uh, and we have a fantastic uh, editing director for that sort of material and the updates are really welcomed by everyone it's actually a lot less disruptive to what um, the face-to-face sessions used to be previously for the business and people um, and they like to kind of watch it when they they have the
0: time to do that yeah so, and it's it it's they're setting the time scale of when they watch it aren't they and the other thing absolutely. that was going through my head listening to that was that um, I imagine that even in the, uh, the recording of the video it requires yeah. people to really reflect a bit more on what are the key messages that I want to get across because there's something about video that um, yeah. needs a little bit more preparation than just sitting in a meeting and sharing and then bouncing ideas off each other. There's that real sense of, I need to be really clear and crisp with the message. So so my guess is probably more reflection goes into that in, in mm-hmm. terms of, of the preparation. I, I don't know, are you finding that?
1: Yeah, agreed, actually. Um, I I really believe in preparation, whether it's a presentation on PowerPoint face-to-face or a video, preparation is everything. It's all in the details and in the delivery, but you're absolutely spot on because the video is only going to be, well, it's 25 to 30 minutes, divide that by the number of managers who are providing an update. We tend to give between one minute, 30 to two minutes, Um, of a slot effectively and it's amazing how much you can actually convey in that one minute 30 or two minute slot and it works really well so you're right they're they're getting to the core of what it is that they're looking to communicate Mm -hmm. um to be honest the only one who's guilty of waffling on uh, a little bit is always myself (laughs) so i tend to do the intro and and suddenly i'm realizing oh no that's four minutes long (laughs) and i've told everybody don't go over two minutes and then i try to cut it back but we we have a little bit of fun as well with that because we do want to keep the spirits up and um and i think that's a big big part of of being um in this business you know we call it the sfm family is that you you work hard but you you spend so many hours of your day at work you know rather than at home with your family that you you may you want to make it fun as well so our latest transition has a as a monty python sketch actually which right. <laughs> which is uh, well, i find it funny personally and i think the feedback so far is is pretty good as well right. Um, right. so we try very hard <laughs> to engage
0: yeah, and I think you know what you're speaking to is the enormous challenge of a of a culture change because it is so intangible and 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 often um, requires a shift at, at an emotional and a behavioural level, and and often emotions and and behaviours are are so often unconscious. How what sort of challenges have you faced along the way with the with the cultural shift? Um, so in in our business
1: there are two culture coexisting, and actually that that's an asset i have to say in in terms of delivering that culture cultural change so we have the um the part of our workforce who have been used to a very different style of leadership control command uh, maybe thinking more in silos i guess mm-hmm. and less uh cross departmental collaboration and and of course, um, what we're trying to promote is a, a lot more collaboration, not thinking in silos, and um, and therefore becoming um, much more uh, customer centric. I guess as part of this particular journey. And I think the biggest hurdle that I I encountered very very early days in starting the, the role was actually around communication. It's it's text book actually, Jude. Uh, you know, it's something that you see all the time, time and time again across businesses. But people sometimes are not very good at talking to each other. Mm-hmm. They're also not very good at listening to each other. Mm-hmm. And often uh, an incident will occur in a particular department. And it it might, for instance, upset the leadership of that particular department. But by the time the leadership of that particular department has heard of the story, it, it's already been recounted to them through two different uh, mouth is, and and therefore um, mindsets and by the time it then crosses over to the other department who might have been implicated in this particular incident and I can think of so many actually mm-hmm. um, the story has also been distorted mm-hmm. and, and I had a situation that I remember very clearly where we had three people with three different stories entirely you know and I just thought it was like watching a movie (laughs) literally and so it was just a case of actually getting everyone in the same room because I had been privy to each version I could see that they massively uh, were different to Mm. to one another and to actually give each of these um, person a safe um, space to talk that's always very important yeah and to say look I really want you to tell your version of the story because it's actually very different to the next person sitting uh, next to you and the next one after that. And then I think you're going to all see where the issue is coming from. Mm -hmm. And so they proceeded to tell their story. And of course, the next person who spoke uh, immediately thought, OK, that is not what I understood. And by the time the third person spoke, again, they had a completely different story. And they realized that actually there'd been real miscommunication and misunderstanding.
0: Mm. And you'll
1: find that it's always at the basis of it. also. what I did probably for the first six months of my appointment was to spend... A lot of time with uh, the leadership teams in the business and um, other colleagues across and making sure that people were in the same room, that they were talking to each other, that we were taking note and following actions on that and making sure that they understood each other's mindsets and where they were coming from. So, you know, we've had conflict right up to, to very senior levels in the business. Brilliant minds, you know, brilliant individuals who bring so much to this business. And simply just have very different personalities right who Mm. hasn't and and often their intentions are so good they're so aligned with what we're trying to achieve in the business but they misunderstand each other and they're not listening and so a lot of my teams have had to do a lot of work around that we've had people coaching them um, externally as well and uh, and the one thing that seems to have worked the best I guess for for people across our business has been to make sure that they check in with each other every week for even 10 minutes right. and just have a, a generic chat on what's working well in your team what the challenges any issues you want to discuss with me and we we do that we do that with our hr uh, leadership as well she'll make sure to allocate uh, a little bit of time every week with every director to make sure that you know we're picking up on things early mm-hmm. rather than actually picking up on these things too late yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, what you, what you speak to is the complexity of shifting from a, a command and control culture to a more collaborative culture where, you know, if it's command and control and it starts top down, it just gets fed down and there's no, there's no, no debate over it. Yeah. But actually it doesn't engage people. Um, the more problem solving and the collaborative approach engages people, it gets, it gets better results, it's more customer, customer centric but it requires greater skill to be able to to do that effectively doesn't it i mean what's what's your view moving forwards you know in your own business but generally in business what do you think are the skills that we should be developing
1: yeah so i guess that there's going to be your your sort of leadership skills and then what you expect of your your teams um in business so It's a really good question. And actually, we were discussing that last week with um, the rest of the team. I I personally think that uh, in leadership, whether that's as an MD or a head of a department or uh, a team manager, you you need to have emotional intelligence today. You Mm -hmm. need to really be able to pick up on those uh, hidden cues, those Non-verbal communication cues that you and I discussed previously. Mm. Um, so uh, yes, EQ super important, massively underrated still by a lot of leaders. Yeah. Um, and and it helps not just in terms of engaging and motivating your people. It also massively helps in any type of business negotiations, So certainly that's been my experience anyway. Mm. Um, the second thing I guess that you need to have is high energy. So that's simply because it rubs off people. So mm-hmm. you come into the office, you've got a smile, you, you have to have masses, um, massive energy, uh, positivity and not not come grumpy to the office. So yeah. I try really hard and that's why I fall asleep at nine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but it is um, a sense of bringing that passion and enthusiasm into the business, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's so
1: critical of any manager. And you know what, sometimes you're not going to like some of the things that you have to do, We're we'll all face with challenges, you know, leading a business or managing a team. But you still have to understand uh, the greater part of the vision. And I guess the greater good. And therefore, you still need to have that energy because people will read into that, you know, mm-hmm. it will worry them or, or whatever else mm-hmm. and I guess the other thing that's a big thing for leaders is the ability to think strategically and over the long run I think too many leaders these days suffer from short-term visionary mindset mm-hmm. and and that's not good as well um, which which is something that I really liked about this business when I joined I was one of the big drivers as well was that we're, we're part of a much bigger group also, the um, our business in the UK is uh, incredibly independent. We have full Chinese wall right up to the top, um, but the the strategic mindset within the parent company is incredibly long long term focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is done with a short term view, and and that that's that's good uh, good common sense and um and I guess you know we we touched on it as well when we were talking earlier. The communication aspect of it is super important for for any um you know manager director leader uh and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people um you know you've got to trust others don't don't always think that you know best uh, I certainly don't <laughs> i don't pretend to mm. um I just like to make sure that the people lose around me are, are very good at what they do and i just want to help them and facilitate their their journey and i think that's a winning combination
0: yeah and
1: uh, and you know if we look at the teams of tomorrow i guess we need them to be collaborative we touched on that again not working in silos uh, that helps massively in terms of innovation and creativity you need them to be very problem solving um, certainly in their mindsets and that that's something that adds value across and you know an entire business whether it's regulatory D, process engineering production you name it and then sort of leaving that that positivity i think these are really important skills for for the teams of
0: tomorrow i'm probably asking for a lot aren't i <laughs> but <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, I think you're asking for what's needed because you know what i'm hearing amongst all of that is that is that emotional intelligence to, to treat people as human beings and to explore how do we do something together when we all have different views of what that might look like. Yeah. And, when, and when the market is changing and, you know, the the economy is changing and, um, you know, we've got environmental issues. The, the, the problems we have in the world are vast. And, and we're, you know, businesses... Solving some of those problems in some way, and along the way needs to engage the the team, needs to make cultural changes, office changes. I, I think all of that demands a lot. And I, think, yeah. I think that's why it's really important that we have these conversations that we really reflect on what are the skills that that we need so that so that we don't get left behind, because you know what I'm hearing is you're doing great work and it's really important that you keep pushing those boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think we do great work. You're right, and uh, and and you're right. You know, um, I don't think you need to compromise on on things these days. Um, I'm, I, d- I don't like to compromise sometimes. You know, I think you can have a very rational business focus, and you can also have a heart. And what I mean by a heart is have that emotional intelligence to understand. Uh, people and making sure you take them on on that journey Uh, because they're one and the same I think one works with with the other and and you're right you know we have we face so many challenges um, I guess today because of the the pandemic but but generally speaking you know to revive manufacturing in our country uh, follow a sustainable agenda, which for us is a massive, massive thing Uh, for 2021. We started to address it this year. we, We always had it as a mindset in the business, but it probably wasn't evident, I guess. In fact, nobody was really talking about all the good things that we were doing. The fact that um, a lot of our raw materials come from sustainable sources so our alginate uh, dressings by definition alginates come from um seaweed so brown um algae which right. is actually a renewable uh, sustainable source and uh, and of course the the manufacturing process that we have in our business and this you know sort of loops back to the point i was making about manufacturing in the uk and the quality of it a lot of our manufacturing processes are quite unique, actually. They're, they're still patented, and they uh, allow us to actually use, um, you know, no, um, no. I think it's volatile solvent. So we use organic solvents in our process, and then everything that is a byproduct is actually uh, recycled. So you get that philosophy, you know, of, uh, you know, recycle, uh, reuse. Um, and and effectively, you know, things like uh, the silver content that we will use um, is then recycled and will go on to make silver bars that are then used, you know, for solar panels and jewelry uh, for other industries. And the water that we have is reused in, um, you know, recycling centers. You know, they use that as energy steam effectively. There's so, so many ways to be cute about the environment, actually, these days. And it's yeah. it's it's such a big thing. And this is something that engages our team as well. So next year we have uh, a big challenge in our business, just another one, right? Why not? (laughs) 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 Which is uh, absolutely, yeah. I just don't like being bored. What can I say? (laughs) So um, yeah, it's just to drive our our green agenda forward and to really shout
0: about um, them. Great. Well, Amanda, it's been absolutely fantastic to to talk with you today. I know we could we could talk for much longer, but. Thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the very best with your, with your team and your business and, and keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you very much
1: for, for having me today. It's been a real pleasure, likewise. Um, yeah, so delighted to have, uh, you know, engaged.
0: Thank you. Amanda's clear that if we want to transform business culture, we need to be open and honest. I loved her story of three people in a room telling three different stories about the same thing. That's so common in conflict, where every perspective is valid, but subtly different, and how easy it is to misunderstand people. Perhaps if we all listened more beyond the words, we could eradicate conflict and misunderstandings earlier. So much easier said than done, though, don't you think? How do you resolve differences of opinion? What changes need to be made in the culture of your organisation for everyone to thrive? And what's your first step? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, helping leaders and teams lead with courage and compassion to accelerate growth in a way that makes a difference in the world. You can find out more at www.judejennison.com and you can find me on all the usual social media channels. Until next week... Keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership.